Hi to everyone listening. I'm Lindsay, owner of Cannabom CBD Topicals, and this is my podcast, Cannamoms, where I talk to other Cannamoms or non-moms, but always about cannabis. Today's guest is a Cannamom of two and plant medicine activist. Jordana Zabitsky of Mother's Mary shares her story of cannabis use while pregnant, her struggles with judgment from other moms, and her company's free therapy options for moms in a crisis. Hey, Jordana, how are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm so excited to be speaking with you. So how many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two children, um, a son who is five and a daughter who is three and a half. Yeah, they're 19 19 months apart. (laughs) Did you consume cannabis during either of your pregnancies? I did. I consumed cannabis during both of my pregnancies with Avery. So this is, he's five and a half. So we're thinking like like six and a half years ago, like six years ago. Um, Cannabis, uh, I had already been using cannabis prior to becoming pregnant. And I was able to get myself off of a lot of pharmaceuticals. Uh, one was Seroquel XR. I was taking 150 milligrams of that um, for mental illness. Like um, I was diagnosed with depressive episodes, chronic anxiety, PTSD, panic or- disorder, OCD. I also had PMDD, and that wasn't diagnosed until after the birth of my second child, the PMDD. Um, but I was on a lot of uh, medication. I was on Effexor, I was on Seroquel, and I was taking a sleeping pill to help me cope with my depression and anxiety and all those other things I said. And then I started smoking cannabis at 27, and it really, like, the first time I inhaled cannabis, I had, like, instant relief from the anxiety, and then the more I consumed, I literally was able to just, like, wean myself off of pharmaceuticals um, with the help of my doctor, but he was not very, like, pro-cannabis, but I still did it. And, uh, yeah, so when I got pregnant, I really felt like it wasn't the scariest thing during pregnancy, even though I hadn't had Mother's Mary yet and didn't have any real scientific evidence supporting cannabis consumption and how it affects the fetus, other than the Dr. Melanie Dreyer study. That was done in the 90s in Jamaica. And that was the, yeah, it was the only study. So for me, you know, and just living and experiencing being able to come off of pharmaceuticals and knowing that a natural plant that grew from the earth was able to make me feel better than the prescribed pills my doctors had been shoving down my throats for the last few years was very, very telling and very eye-opening. And then when you're pregnant, you become so conscious and so aware of all the things that you're putting in your body you know you're like oh I have to stop eating sushi I have to stop eating cold cuts I can't drink alcohol anymore people some people even cut out coffee so cannabis is not for me personally it wasn't something that was like oh I'm gonna smoke weed to get high cannabis has never been that for me it's always been for medical purposes so it wasn't a light decision to make to consume during pregnancy and it was one that I did have a lot of fear of. I still had guilt and shame, but I still did it very outspokenly. All my family members knew I was consuming. I also had a very rough um, experience with pregnancy in general. So I was consuming not just for the mental health aspect, but for uh, synthesis pubis dysfunction that left me on bed rest from 18 weeks, oh, wow. um, as early as 18 weeks in my pregnancy, yeah. So, and I barely consumed cannabis because I was alone every day and I was 
scared and didn't really know what to do. And I would smoke like, <laughs> like I would roll myself the tiniest little joints. They were so cute. And it would, I would get like four or five pulls from it. And I would only smoke like a couple times a week at night. And Lindsay, that was, those were the best night sleeps I had. Those were the mm-hmm. best times I had. And I don't know, like, it's crazy that I didn't feel confident and empowered enough at the time. I'm like, well, it's not crazy. I really had no support or community, which is why I created it. Right. Um, yeah, you oh, know, yeah. so yeah, I definitely consumed. And then with Ruby, I consumed as needed mm-hmm. my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think twice. Consumed as much as I wanted. All day, every day, I did what I had to do to take care of myself because Avery was already there, obviously, and I saw how he was developing. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> my son's amazing. I'll do it again. And, you know, and my kids are incredible. I'm yeah. pregnant with my second right now. And I oh, congrats. Have, thank you. I have a very similar experience as you the first time I, I was consuming, like, only if I had to. Um, like physically physically ill like to the point where I was like okay last case scenario I'm gonna smoke but now I'm like screw that I'm not gonna let myself get to that point like you said I'm gonna take care of myself and my baby I have this living proof my son is two and he's speaking in complete full sentences with like subjects predicates like (laughs) he knows all his numbers his ABCs all his colors all his animal sounds he is ahead in physical development, everything like that. So I'm like, show me what this did to him negatively, you know? And then... Mm -hmm. Like, where's the science to back it? Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I went into my first appointment for my pregnancy now. I'm 29 weeks now, but when I went in for my first appointment, she asked if I was continuing the marijuana use, in quotes. (laughs) Um, and I said, yes, for anxiety, I, you know, I said full spectrum CBD. So there's THC. I like fudged it a little. However, she then told me that it was going to stunt fetal growth. Well, fast mm-hmm. forward 29 weeks later, my baby is in the 91st percentile of growth. <laughs> that shows her, doesn't it? Yeah, I was like. I hope that she can like turn around and say, hey, remember that comment you made to me? that time well what do you have to say now like yeah. where like you know exactly exactly really frustrating yeah so, your whole story that you just said like gave me chills um Aww. how much you were in pain and like mental strife and then the first inhale was like the best thing you ever felt and the best nights of sleep <laughs> you ever received like that just yeah it motivates me to keep these communities going that we've built and do this podcast and speak to women like you because it just like fuels my fire of passion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, honestly, it's, 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 um, you know, it's really interesting because I, I really was expecting pregnancy to be this really beautiful, miraculous, amazing mm-hmm. experience. And <laughs> it was anything but that for me, it was really dreadful and painful. And I had, Um, Because I I believe that because I had mental illness prior to becoming pregnant, it only, for me and my experience, it only amplified um, what was going on in my life when I became pregnant. So then I did end up with prenatal depression, prenatal anxiety, um, and prenatal panic disorder and all these different things. And I gained 
so much weight in my first pregnancy and I couldn't even walk because of the the FPD that I told you about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to sit um, in the car or in a restaurant with a pillow. I would have to take a wheelchair if I was going to a mall or anything like that. Um, wow. And the depression, anxiety, yeah, it was really intense. Um, it was so, so bad. And then the pressure to breastfeed, mm-hmm. um, I live in Montreal, Quebec, and the pressure that I got personally from the hospital and from the CLSC, um, I got shamed for for not being, you know, uh, choosing to breastfeed with my second. With my first, it was all I wanted to do. I really didn't educate myself at all on formula. I was very pro-breastfeeding. Um, I thought it was the most natural way to feed my child. And then I was induced because of how bad my pregnancy was. And when you're induced, I mean, like, that's a whole podcast for another time. <laughs> but <in laughs> that's a woman. But yeah, when you're induced, your milk is not in, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, your body wasn't ready yet to mm-hmm. have that. So I had no, no breast milk and my, my baby ended up with jaundice and he was mm-hmm. starving and it was, it was pretty traumatic, you know, and thank yeah. God, like I got a Similac, like a free sample of Similac in the mail, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what I was able to feed my child with immediately. Um, and there was really no support, and I really couldn't talk about this. You know, I tried to talk about it um, on Facebook in mom groups because that's where Mother's Mary originated from. Um, and every time I would bring up any type of mental illness or cannabis use in pregnancy or postpartum discussion, I was shamed, I was bullied, I was banned. Um, there was a lot of, you know, not having that conversation in those groups. So I said, you know, I'm going to create my own group where I can talk about my own things. Um, and, you know, have this discussion where I can introduce cannabis to pregnancy and postpartum and mental health and all these things and provide a safe space for cannabis using moms, except that I was still so unwell that I was practicing the same negative toxic behavior I was experiencing myself from other groups by banning and blocking people because I didn't have coping skills and the the tools to really handle being attacked for my views and my my different opinions because I challenged the status quo literally in Mm -hmm. every single aspect of life there's a lot of backlash for that and I didn't know we show up well and you know um it's tough because moms that are using cannabis as I mentioned to you before Lindsay they're not when you're pregnant and you're using cannabis it's not something that you're just like doing for fun and if it is then like yeah it's not for me to judge you know yeah, absolutely. I feel like I went a bit on a tangent there. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with every, I'm like just sitting yeah, here crazy. nodding my head up and down, nodding my head. <laughs> yes, yes. Everything you're saying is yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mom groups can be really, uh, really incredible for for people. And then it can also be like the, they can bring on the dark night of the soul for others. And as moms, I think it's really our responsibility to own our own feelings and our own reactions and our trauma. Because our anger and our reactions all come from our trauma from when we were children and the way, you know, or adolescence and all the things good and bad that happened to us and all the more the bad, obviously, that we've never dealt with. And that's what Mother's Mary is really about. It's, you know, not just about moms who smoke weed to get high. We've never been that. We're about mental health, motherhood, and plant medicine use. And we want to really teach moms how to use plant medicine to heal themselves. Because exactly. when you heal yourself, your children are healing and, then they and you're not heal raising the world. <laughs> yeah and that's it and then that's how the world changes you know mm-hmm. that's the change the ripple effect right exactly yeah 
So do your kids know what cannabis is and why you use it? Oh, goodness. Yes, they do. They love mommy's medicine a little too much. It's a bit concerning at times. They won't lie. They really like, can we smell this one? What does this one smell like? And, oh, mommy, I love the smell. Like sometimes um, I definitely do consume in my home, which is not something that I am um, telling people the best idea or choice for them. But the way that my home is set up and the way that I choose to consume is within my own business and right. And we have open windows and air purifiers and towels under doors and, you know, filters, mm-hmm. like change filters and all these things. And in the in the summer, obviously not as much, but in the winter, definitely. So there's always a little remnants of cannabis in the air. They watch me roll. They watch, they've, I've been rolling I, I, because I smoke joints. So they've always watched me prepare the way I rule my medicine. And I've always been very clear about them that this is mommy's medicine. They don't touch it. They don't, you know, I'm open with them where, like, you know, they want to they see that, like, some of the different ones are, you know, different colors. We also grow from time to time. So they're, they would take, help me take care of the plants and help me water them. And we would sing to them. And we would say good morning and good night. And, uh-huh. you know, normalize. Yeah, I want to normalize cannabis as much as possible. You know, I tell them that it's not just for medicine and people use it just to feel better, to help them meditate and you know, I think really, like, changing the stigma of cannabis really starts at home. So, yeah, they're very, you know, very au courant. My kids actually love, um, it has no cannabis in it whatsoever, no CBD, no none of that. But they do love terpenes. Like, we get full-spectrum terpenes. Oh, um, yeah, and they love them. They're always asking, Mommy, can we have some terpenes? So we give them oh. the calm ones because they're toddlers. I'm like, here you go. And, yeah, they just, they love it. So it's all about plant medicine. They're yeah. more educated about terpenes than a lot of adult cannabis users. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It's just how we choose to normalize it and how we choose to, you know, make it, you know, what it is. That's, exactly. that's the power that we have as parents, right? Yeah, I love that. Have you thought about how you're going to go about your children consuming it when they get older? Like what age maybe you're going to make them wait till or et cetera? Yeah. Um, well, indeed, it's a really, really good question. I really do my ultimate best to not live in the future. Yeah. So I can't really, like, answer to that. But as how I feel today with consumption, um, unless my children are using it for medical purposes, um, which at this point, like, they, they're, they're thriving, so I don't see it as a need. If any of them start to feel symptoms of, um, anxiety or things like that, or they end up with PTSD from, you know, the pandemic or any of the, the, the things that I'm in, you know, I anticipate for many, many, many children to go through. I definitely think that cannabis um, would be um, the first thing that I would recommend mm-hmm. to my children. And especially like we don't use Advil in my home. We don't use any type of like even Benadryl, like unless it's like a crazy serious allergic reaction like you know we're not really running to use pharmaceuticals in our house for splinters and all these things like I I have all kinds of um plant medicine in my home and essential oils and all these things so I think that just because of the way that I am teaching them about self-care and plant medicine I, I think that you know I definitely can't tell them not to use cannabis but I do think that there would be an appropriate age for like recreational use um, and hopefully by the time my kids are teenagers, more studies will come out and it will show us the impact on the developing brain of teenage youth. 
Um, I'm not 100% convinced that it causes problems in, for, for people because I know a lot, like Annie, for instance, she'll tell you her story, but, you know, she was one of those teenagers who has been using, like, started using cannabis, and she's managed to stay off of pharmaceuticals her whole life because she's, yeah. she used cannabis. They and never talk about the worse. potential benefits of using it, exactly. only the potential risks. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then my other argument is if children with, like, cancer and epilepsy and all these other more serious um, illnesses are getting cannabis treatment, like, are you not concerned about their development, like, brain development? Like, if it's okay for them and they're only getting better and they're thriving, you know, and they're, like, calm and they're able to, like, have a better lifestyle, then, like, you know, why, again, why would it be dangerous for a teenager to consume? So I just, I don't know enough, obviously, about the developing brain in a teenager, but I'm educated enough and experienced enough with cannabis and, yeah, my kids, like, I guess when they're of age to decide for themselves, you know, and CBD is definitely a go-to. I make them CBD tea all the time Um, and uh, make a lemonade. (laughs) <laughs> a little lemonade, uh, hemp, hemp artisanal hemp lemonade, CBD, little concoction in the summer. And, Cute. you know, CBD doesn't get people high, you know. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's just we about have an endocannabinoid system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have one. Exactly. <laughs> Do you experience judgment for being a cannabis mom and a can- cannabis advocate? From I did when I first started. From family. Like when Mother's Mary first started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did. I got a lot of um, shame and I was bullied and harassed actually at my kids' daycare. So I had to pull them out for that daycare. Oh, wow. Um, they just yeah. found out? Or... Well, they were girl. Well, it's a whole story. But, oh, okay. you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I tracked, I, because I used to be a bully myself. I used to not be the nicest person. I had, like I said, I had a lot of trauma. I experienced a lot of things in my in my childhood and my entire life that really just never empowered me to be nicer or kinder. I never had tools on how to be more understanding or compassionate or patient. Um, so, you know, you, you get what you give and you give what you get. Right. And so, yeah, you know, I didn't have the nicest friends and do the nicest things. And so they didn't do the nicest things back to me. And I was bullied at the daycare and I, I, I had to take my kids out. Honestly, so admirable for you to say, like, well, I used to be a bully. I understand, you know, and I just want to bring up why this cancel culture is, like, not sustainable. Yeah. I'm being canceled out right now by so many people. So, please, let's talk about cancel culture. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can – you someone finds something from your past or – and look Mm -hmm. at you. You went from – what you experienced, what you described yourself as, to now this. Like, if you cancel people, they don't get the chance to become better human beings, to learn from their mistakes, to grow, you know, to make a positive impact in the world. And not everyone is perfect. If we all go back in our past, there's something we could get canceled for. So my family is radically known for canceling each other out. Like, I literally have no relationship with almost any blood relative because when we get into a fight you just never speak to that person again there is no forgiveness no making up and if there is then it's good for a few weeks but then that resentment's still there and the next fight that happens well then that is really the official fight that just like cancels that relationship out so Mm -hmm. if my sister actually um my sister canceled me out um, two weeks after my, my daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a very rocky relationship, uh, talking, not talking, talking, not talking, talking, not talking. 
And she had a very difficult time getting pregnant, took her many years to get pregnant. Um, and she found then when she did get pregnant, she got pregnant with twins. And one is, um, he has autism. Okay. And he was nonverbal the last time he spoke to them. And he was still like not able to like wear underwear on his own and all these things. And he was eight years old at the time. My sister found out, like I, she FaceTimed me. Uh, two weeks after my daughter was born and to say congratulations because at that time we were talking and I was on your we office time and I was outside smoking the joints and she's like oh like you're back to that and I was just like back to it and like I never really stopped you know like it really helped me throughout my pregnancy and I haven't spoken to her since that day Wow. Because of, like, the trauma there in my own family and canceling people out, like I said, you know, the cancel culture, like, Mother's Mary is a community that I always did live videos, Mm -hmm. and I always shared things that were good, bad, beautiful, and ugly. I never hit anything. I never, like, you know, like, I'm very rare like that. I don't, I'm very authentic and... Yeah, that is a very rare quality, and I can tell that about you already. You just are straight up every detail, you know, not hiding anything, which is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, yeah, so the work I've been doing on myself in the last two years really allows me to live without shame and guilt, own myself and own what I've done because that was definitely part of who I am, and it's helped shape who I am today. I think it's really important, and, yeah, it's Mother's Mary just always something that was so much more than just cannabis and and an online community. Annie and I set out to change the world and we really meant business. And a lot of people really fell in love with me and what I was doing and how I made them feel in creating this space. But because I hadn't started my self-development work yet and my healing, I treated people pretty terribly and I blocked them and I deleted them. I did the exact same thing. I canceled them out, right? Because mm-hmm. that's my trauma response. That's what I was taught when I was growing up. This is how you treat people. If someone attacks you, you hit below the belt and then you never speak to them again. Right. You know, like that patterns. is what I was You're just repeating about. the same patterns you've seen over exactly. and over again. Yeah. So that's how I would show up to women in the community if they disagreed with me or if they attacked me. And what's happening now, um, almost we came off of Facebook in August 2020 um, because it's a very toxic environment. COVID yes. really, really made Facebook a whole other world. Just all the censorship and knowing that moms around the world were coming to us for information and sharing their stories, even when they lived in illegal states, we thought to ourselves, we really need to protect this information that's being shared and more importantly we need to protect the moms that are sharing it so we need to move off of here and we took um the community and we we prepped everyone for months telling them we're moving we're moving and we left a community of 5.6 thousand moms worldwide and we created a whole new community yeah because it, it we just couldn't stay on facebook See, that says another positive thing about you, how it's not about the followers and, you know, the name and everything. It's actually about the community because as soon as you felt that it was toxic and no longer serving you, you left. Right. But I will also add to that that we also did feel that our time, our content, our conversations, our energy should have been compensated for as well. So when we left, we did monetize the platform and we started charging $1.99 a month to become a member of the community. And we got so much 
hate. Oh, wow. So much hate. So much hate. So much hate. So much. So much. Oh. Hate for me speaking out against COVID. Hate for me moving off of Facebook. Hate for me blocking and deleting people. But Lindsay, let me ask you a question. Yes. If you don't have coping skills and you don't have tools and someone, you're on a live video and you're talking about your own struggles and your own beliefs and your own opinions and someone comes up to you on your live video and they're like, you're fucking crazy. You should, you have no right saying these things. What the fuck do you know? How are you going to handle that? Are you going to just be like, oh, thank you so much for your feedback? (laughs) Or are you going to be like, block and delete, goodbye? Yeah. Like, and, you know, so there's, like, a huge group of people saying that I, you know, I, re- I didn't give them space. And if they didn't agree with me, I would block and delete them. And they're right. I 100% did that. But it was also the way that they were coming at me. So my trauma yeah. responses kicked in. I didn't show up as my best self, but I was also being attacked. Also, they came to your live to say that. Like, that's right. like coming to exactly. someone else's house and being like, eh, I don't like your couch. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so, yeah, so they all feel there's a bunch of people who used to be in the community that did not follow over to the new one that think that we're sellouts, that think uh, we're a threat to society. You know, Mother's Mary was just always meant to be a community, to be a safe haven for people. And we really found that cannabis was the gateway to our souls. And we decided, Annie and I decided we were going to um, help moms use cannabis more um, introspectively and with much more intention and we decided to create a program a coaching group coaching program that would help moms uh, do their self-development work and and heal themselves heal, heal those parts of themselves and yeah there was just so much hate about that but we're healing moms we're doing it anyway regardless of all the haters and regardless of all the people who just want to be stuck in their trauma we're persevering we're moving forward we tried apologizing we're trying to just make things right moving forward. And, and you even know. if there's a million people out there that have something hateful to mm-hmm. say, if you can help one person, one soul, then you've done something positive. Yeah. I mean, like we offer, um, we have a maternal mental health program that we created, which is if you're, so if you are a member of our community and you're paying that $1.99 a month or you're in our, or in our coaching program, the second that you join Mother's Mary you're automatically covered for if like you ever are in distress or in crisis and you really need therapy, like, like really like you're not in a good mental space. We will cover the cost of three therapy sessions for you with our mother's Mary in-house clinical psychologist. And if you are a mom that's just interested in having therapy for your own self-development purposes, we provide that clinical psychologist at cost-effective pricing. So you're not paying $200 or $250 for an hour of therapy. And she's biased about plant medicine because she herself uses it. So she's not going to be sitting there telling you, you need this, you need that, you need this, you need that. She's just going to support whatever your decision is because that's her job. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, really important to us. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to have that. Yeah, so yeah, join the community. What we do is we commit 5%. We're a social enterprise, so we commit 5% of every single purchase that's made in Mother's Mary to that program. And that's how we're able to pay for those crisis sessions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the cost-effective program is just because Nadine is just absolutely incredible. And, and how did you meet your co-founder, Annie? So Annie and I met 
through the Facebook group that I had created before it was Mother's Mary. It was originally called Moms for Marijuana. I met her there. Like I said before, I did a lot of live videos. So I was talking about my postpartum journey and what I was going through. And a lot of moms connected a lot with that and resonated with my message. And Annie felt really drawn to my story and everything. So she uh, asked me out basically on a mommy play date. And she's like, hey, I want to hang out. Our kids are the same age. And we can like smoke a joint while our babies play or, or nap or whatever. She comes over and I'm like, what are your life dreams? What did you want to do with yourself before becoming a mom? You know, there's more to life than just being a mom. And yeah, the rest is history. Mother's Mary has just literally always been founded on wanting to change the world, challenging the status quo, motherhood, mental health, and cannabis use. And, well, plant medicine use, because we use a lot more than just cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite method of consumption? Ooh, I think definitely smoking joints. Same. Well, thank you for being so open and transparent about your cannabis experience as a mom, your pregnancy experience your past experience, just really (laughs) overall fantastic person, in my opinion. Aw, thanks so much, Lindsay. Fuck the haters. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. This has been Canna Moms with Canna Bombs. Go smoke a joint. You deserve it.